Hey, it's Josh Sibson. And Jake Jabour. From The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> he never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv. <clears throat> Hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. I'm about to bring you an awesome interview with Susie Barrett. You're going to love it. Uh, first of all, I just want to give a quick thanks to those who left iTunes feedback. Thank you, Caroline. You made me look up what neophyte means. Thank you, Dr. Friendship, not Dr. Fistpump. You're a longtime friend of the show, and thank you for reviewing it. I appreciate it. Cromulent one, thanks for the review. Um, keep on leaving feedback. It helps pay the bills. I'm just kidding. This podcast is a money sinkhole. Um, second, I'm sorry I haven't gotten more episodes out. I've just been really busy lately. I've been writing. I got this producing gig out of nowhere. Lots of good stuff's going on for me, and I'm busier than ever. I just haven't had a lot of time to get guests and uh, have an open schedule for, for people to come sit in my bedroom and talk about improv. Um, having said that, I'm going to keep on making an effort to bring you the best improv talk ever. Um, if you have something you want to hear us talk about or guests you want to come on the show, you can ask my Tumblr at improvobsession.com. There's the Improv Obsession Facebook page. You can even call the phone number that everybody calls. This phone line is off the hook. Always, always ringing. 225-OBSESS9. You can seriously, you can call. It's going to be tough to get in. I'm not going to lie to you, but you should do it because you have all those cell phone minutes. Um, all right. That's it for announcements, I think. Yep. You know what? It is. Here we go. Here comes the show. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. We're gonna fucking rock and roll. I'll open up my questions. Hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pearlstein. Today we have a very special guest who needs to get out of here by 730. <laughs> yes, Susie Bear. 715. 715. Yeah, well we yeah, we need to get you at your destination by 730. We're gonna do it. I'm excited. Me too. Hi. Hi. Um, can this hear me? Yes, this can hear you. It's so far away. Yeah. Microphones. Technology. Am yeah. I right? We, we're working on these things. I really want to make sure. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to make sure everybody hears you because uh, you're very important and you're here for improv talk. Okay, so right off the top, uh, I just want to talk about the most important thing. Um, my insurance rates went up. Oh, boy. Can you help me with that? I can't. You want to know why? Tell me. Allstate bought insurance yeah. last summer. Yeah, I, remember, I got that email. So they are owned by Allstate now. Oh, okay. So that's why I no longer appear in the commercials because. Oh, they, you're not in the, you're not doing that anymore. No, they changed. I guess the I branding. haven't watched a commercial in a long time. Yeah. Oh. Do people watch commercials? Do you sit yeah, down yeah. to watch a commercial? Yeah, I watch commercials uh, in between my TV shows. Uh, I'm on a TV, as you may have noticed. I feel so. like. People say I've seen a commercial, but no, to watch so. implies that see, you're I, like that that's the destination. Pay, see, I actively pay attention to them because I see a lot of people that I recognize and like. Hey, look at them doing great. Very ha happy for them. Yeah. DC Pearson was in an Allstate commercial. Well, I, I guess I know who my enemy is now. <laughs> as long as you know, I must you ever cut his him. hair and <laughs> remove his power. That's it. That's actually. How uh, commercials work? Uh, do you do you like doing? I mean, I, I can love imagine it. you can't hate it. 
But yeah, you do. I feel like I've seen you in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I've watched I actually, you in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I've seen myself. You've watched me. Yeah. Um, I love it, and I, it's hard to uh, explain why. I guess it's not hard to explain it. Um, I guess. I, I guess what I mean is, I I love it more than I thought that I would. Yeah. I thought that like, oh, this is a nice way to make money. Um, doing an acting thing but it's actually a, a nice little challenge to have 24 seconds to get out your thing yeah and to try and be funny about it yeah you know it's like being funny in isolated moments it's hard it's hard and it's very technical you know you have to hit this mark that mark i mean film is like that yeah. too but yeah it's much more technical than film because you know they'll They're have the stopwatch out and they'll be like and, that was yeah. 24.2 seconds can you shave point four? <laughs> and you have to like say your line. Yes, yeah. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> Would you kill me for being from the future if I said yes? No problem. <laughs> um, that's cool. Uh, okay, so let's. I guess let's just talk about some improv stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did you first get into improv? Maybe seeing it or doing it. I got into it in high school. Um, I was a, a, quite a little theater nerd in high school and, um, and knew that I wanted to be an actor and knew that I wanted to be a comedian and they opened, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit and they opened a second city Detroit when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. So like our theater club used to take field trips downtown and see the show and, um, that coupled with comedy central starting as a channel when I was in eighth grade. Oh, sure. Uh, and airing Whose Line Is It Anyway all the time made me go, cool. Improv. Improv. Um, and we, I remember a couple times in high school, after school, at theater club meetings or whatever, we tried to dabble, you know. Sure. Uh, and failed miserably. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> but uh, I had a theater teacher in high school who gave me Truth and Comedy, which I read and fell in love with. That's Sharna Halpern's book yeah, about yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just trying to picture how that went down, like, uh, Susie, right. uh, you, you'd want this. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. That's exactly how it went down. And, uh, yeah, I, I read that, and then that's when I set my sights on Chicago um, as a plan for after college. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, you went to college. Wow, that's that's interesting. Wait, so you were you were into improv and comedy, and then you go to college. Were you doing stuff? I went to college as a theater major. Okay. And there was no improv troupe there. Uh, my wow. senior year, uh, a guy who was a year or two younger than me started an improv troupe. So I, I did that for like a semester my senior year. Yeah. Um, but there, but I was busy with other stuff, you know, uh, during college. And then as soon as, like, literally a week after college ended, I packed up and moved to Chicago. And, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so then you went to Chicago. So uh, did you go to... I, no, you, I, I know this because I internet stalked you. What? Uh, I think. Oh, uh, well, okay, I, I feel know. so naked. Yeah. <laughs> there are naked pictures of you online. Oh, um, that's a shame. It's <laughs> a shame for everybody. <laughs> Nobody's no, happy about that. Uh, Even go, the internet is crying. <laughs> just um, uh, you, you went to I.O., right? I uh, did. Correct. See, internet stalking. Yeah. Uh, uh, but why why I.O. over Second City if you did? I did. I also went to Second City. So the internet didn't tell me that. It fooled you. Fucking internet. Um, I, but I went to I went to I.O. first because uh, 
that's the home of the Herald and Sharna's book. And of course I was, you know, on this mission to go where this book was spawned. Yeah. Um, spawned is not a nice sounding word. <laughs> yeah. <that's okay. laughs> the sperm of improv. Um, not the egg. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did, uh, I did IO and, and I overlapped my IO training with second city classes, but I didn't finish my second city classes. And that was only because um, we spent a lot of time there. I was in the, this is so dumb. This is so like, I'm just taking forever to explain. I was in the conservatory, (laughs) which, you know, you audition to be in the conservatory and it's supposed to like weed out the duds and bring in the actors. But there's a caveat that like people who are just off the street and have never improvised before, if they go through the six levels before the conservatory and finish, then they can enter the conservatory. So there were a bunch of, for lack of a better word, duds in my class who were, you know, I'm a lawyer who's very shy and my boss is paying for me to be a better speaker. And we spent a lot of time arguing or just discussing like, well, how did I know she was handing me a beer? And what what is it? How, how am I supposed to mind holding a baby? And just things that, you know, I was like, why am I that paying money really for this? really upsetting. It was very, and it wasn't Second City's fault. No. And the teachers were amazing. And yeah. I loved the people in my class, the other people. Um, and I did have a great time and I learned a lot. It just, it felt, I was so poor at the time. It felt like a waste of the, the money to time ratio was not good. Right. So, yeah, I get that. It's yeah. uh yeah, like, especially, yeah, when you're doing like all your training and stuff, you're, I, I feel like I'm constantly like, am I doing the best thing I can do with my time? Cause like, I don't know about you. I spent a, I spent I spent a lot of time doing improv stuff, and it's like, well, should I go to this show or should I go to this show or should I workshop or whatever? And yeah, it's like you want to do what will help the most, you right? Know? Yeah, right. So then ultimately, you end up sitting in your room with a microphone talking to someone. This is this is I feel like this is my free lessons that I get uh, from these from everybody who comes on. I'm just like, oh my god, you're teaching me so much, and I will be a better improviser. It's a great idea. Not, but... This probably isn't even recording, right? <laughs> well, a free class. <laughs> Wait, where are you going, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> that's my card. And I brought I brought my microphone. That's why you can hear me all. Mm-hmm. Um, it all makes sense in my head. Yay! Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, so you did a uh, I O and you take going through the classes and also second city at the same time. Drop second city, didn't finish. Uh, uh, so then I guess, well, was, was there a transition from like learning to performing? Like did, how'd that work for you? Cause I don't um, know what the Chicago scene is. Like. Yeah, it was, the Chicago scene was very saturated. I don't know how it is now, but at the time it was, there was just a ton of people. I would compare it to like the UCB scene right now, where there's just like way more people who want to be on teams than teams available. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, and, and there at the time, I don't think they had an audition process. I remember it being just like you would get hand selected from a class or a whatever. And, um, I remember being like so frustrated for so long that I wasn't put on a team and, um, and then finally got one and I, I finally got put on a team right after I had been hired to leave for Boom Chicago. Oh, wow. So I was on a team for three months while I packed my stuff and then and Yeah, then left. and then just so, left. Yeah. That's a bummer. So, well, were you doing, were you doing like indie teams then? Is that a thing? Um, that there? wasn't really a thing. Not, not in the sense that it is now. Uh, yeah. There were other performance opportunities, but only if you sort of were in the 
echelon. Like if you could go to Jeff Griggs and say, I want this time slot or go to, you know, Jason yeah. Chin or, you know, whoever was running the calendars. Uh, and I didn't, I wasn't really in a position to be able to do that. Um, there was a place called the playground that was sort of like indie team stuff. Uh, so I, yeah, I was on a team that played there. Um, I'm trying to, it's like a, this is, we're really like reaching in the, the recesses of my mind to remember <laughs> what the community was like then. But I, in terms of improv, did a lot more like watching shows than doing shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing other theater and stuff there. So sure. I was still performing, just not a lot of improv. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the theater background. Because I was going to say, it's, uh, it seems like that would be uh, hard to audition and succeed to go to Boom Chicago uh, if without... Like performing, right? Well, but, that took me two tries too. Oh, you did so two I, tries. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the first one was a, a dad. <laughs> so I can feel good about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious then. So uh, that, I mean, I think that's really cool because Boom, uh, Boom Chicago is not easy to get into. No, at all. No. Uh, uh, so I don't, so this I'm not. This is not to be mean at all. I wonder if you felt like, hey, I don't know if I'm actually ready. For this, because you have, you said you haven't really been doing a lot of like you. It feels like performing and like practice and like learning. It feels different to me. Mm-hmm. So, did you have anything like that where you're like, ah, we'll see? No, I no. felt like I wanted it. Yeah. I knew I felt, and I was upset the first year when I didn't get it. Yeah. I was like, I'm meant to do this. This is my <laughs> thing. I'm gonna do it. That's great. And um, yeah, and I didn't get it the first year, but they shortlisted me, which is that sort of like nebulous. If somebody quits during yeah. the year or whatever, and we need you. Um, list that's great but yeah um yeah so i don't know what that is i guess i was like an arrogant son of a bitch no i don't Um, that's not what i mean at all i just because like i like i i still get like self-conscious when i get like perform with people who are i think are really good i'm like oh i don't know if i'm ready to perform with them uh so i maybe i just have an extreme lack of confidence i i don't know (laughs) maybe we should yeah Combine our combine. DNA and yeah. create the... <laughs> that worked out poorly for both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> um, okay, so, cool. So, you... Uh, but, well, then, okay, so I... Then I Did you always feel, then, confident uh, yeah. with your improv, uh, specifically? I, I always felt... I knew that I was funny, because mm-hmm. I, I just knew that I was funny. You know, you know, when you make people... I knew... I figured out I was funny when I was a kid... So from the time I was a kid, I was like, I want to do this for a job, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of improv, it was just a matter of learning. I didn't always feel like I knew how to make a successful scene or make it. It, it was like, you know, sometimes scenes are good and sometimes they're bad. And that was out of my control for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Maybe maybe that puts you in a little bit more of the instinctual category of that. Is a thing? Does I don't make, know. No? I don't know if... I don't know because it, it... I, And maybe it puts me not in that category because mm-hmm. if I was... Uh, I mean, art, improv is an instinctual art form, mm-hmm. but it, but you, you do have to know... If, if my scenes weren't succeeding 100% of the time, then that means my instincts weren't right. <laughs> I was like retraining my instincts right yeah so i'm i'm to the point now where i feel like i have like a 95 percent success rate you know i can at least try to make a scene work most of the time and know what to do when it's not working but that took a while to learn you know yeah but i knew 
when I got to IO and started taking classes, what I did have that a lot of people didn't have was theater background and, and acting experience. Right. And that's what I realized when I got into improv was like, oh, not everyone's coming at this from being an actor. Mm. And I, I was standing out and having success just because people were like, oh, wow, you're so, you know, you're fun to watch or you're so committed. And I was like, that's the easy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's cool. Yeah, that... Uh... Yeah, if, if, I feel like there's a few like people randomly bring in advantages like that to improv, and it's such a helpful thing. And it, it, it's yeah, it's always cool if you can lean into it a little bit too, and like really yeah, because people who can perform, like actually perform, that's that's more rare than in the community, I think. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, 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 bup, bup, bup. All right, boom, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in my head. I'm like, I want to get through everything as fast as possible. I want to get this you done and out of here. I'm I'm really I'm really trying to like be respectful of your time, Susie. That's cool. I just can't I wait to see what the hour and fifteen minutes worth of questions is. I know. God, I'm trying to burn through them. They're all good. They're all so good. Uh, <laughs> Get so, on with boom, it, man. Chicago. Uh, so you did that, and like I've, I've heard, I've heard that that's like the greatest show in the world, and I've also heard that it's like sucks, um, and that like it takes over your life in a weird way. But of course, like you sign up to it, so you live that life so it makes sense um so how did you feel about your boom chicago <laughs> i loved it it was the, i would call it the best three years of my life in a million different ways yeah. uh although now, right the three years i'm in now is like the best three years of my life in a million different ways so um, you're just living the dream continuously way, for yeah. six or seven years now yeah it's great yeah. for you <laughs> um, for yeah when did i go it's for nine we're going on nine years now living the dream Ugh. um <laughs> but boom is what kicked it all off. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's incredible. I have, I have not a single bad thing to say about it. You live in Europe. You get paid to be an improviser. You have free health insurance. You're just performing for 300 people a night. You know, there are weird things about... And of course, you know, this is also understanding that it's, you know, years behind me now. So I'm remembering it through rosy glasses. Sure. But, um through Rosie O'Donnell's glasses, to be specific. She lent these to me. Reading glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a big reader, Rosie. <laughs> um, and that's why. Now, uh, it, it, there were hard things about it. You know, it's hard to be away from home, especially, and this is going to sound like I'm being dramatic, but like especially back then. It's not that long ago, but yeah, I could see there that. was no Facebook. Uh, the, in fact, Friendster started my last year out there, uh, and, and we were all like, what is this? Um, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Gchat, there wasn't like all this way, yeah, you know, to, hard to be really connected, hard to be connected. And so you really felt isolated from back home. You couldn't watch videos online. People would mail us VHS tapes of SNL once in a while. Like, <laughs> here's what's happening in the States, you know, oh, that's awesome. it was, yeah, uh, <laughs> And, you know, half of Weekend Update just doesn't make sense because we're like, what's this? What's that show they're making fun of? Just no pop culture. That's great. Um, so that, and it, it's it's hard to, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of how to describe how, the hard things about it. It's just, it's completely rewires your brain. You're, you, you're sort of on adrift in this little ocean over there with you know your friends and your family aren't there to sort of be a rock you have this whole new group of people it's very insular if there's any fight within the cast it's like 
that you're performing together that night, you know, and (laughs) yeah. And it's like your family, your friends and your coworkers are all the same 10 people, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And you're in a place where you don't speak the language. Everybody there speaks English, but there's also an element of, you know, you're not really hanging out your first year at like Dutch house parties. Cause how do you get invited to that? You know? So all of that was very hard at first, but by the second year when you've got a handle on everything, it's just awesome, you yeah. know. Um, and there, you know, there were hard performing things too. You you lose your reference base when you go over there. Um, you it's short form, so it's a different sort of vibe than what I was doing in Chicago. Right. And um and and you find success in being broad because that's what reaches the most languages, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Am I, I'm rambling now. No, that's, it's all very interesting. I, I, uh, I was just letting you go. I'm <laughs> trying to take it all in. Um, God, this is my free class. Don't forget. Um, okay. So, so, but then find your light, Steven, find your light. What the fuck does that mean? See, it's a free class. Find your light means you're in a shadow right now. And if there was an audience here, they wouldn't be able to see your face. Oh, really? Okay. Find your light. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Free. That was uh, the weirdest and funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> right here. Just right here. Just right in this. Yeah, just this little just spot. Too there's really funny stuff that happens there. I but can like, tell. Uh, there's fart stains on the floor. <laughs> well, it's worse. It. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, but wait, so what was, like, were, were there anything, were there things that, like, stand out to you as good uh, from your experience that maybe, like, helped you as an improviser? Absolutely. Everything about that experience helped me as an improviser. And, um... And and that I still single out as the most uh, influential thing on my improv in terms of I uh, just the repetition of doing improv every day yeah. I hadn't done ever in my life. And when you do it every day, you know, we were either rehearsing or performing every single day. Um, once in a while, you have a, a day off, but especially like during show writing process, busy corporate season, you're off doing a corporate show, then you're back doing a home show and you're rehearsing the next day, etc. Yeah. Um, and that many reps, that many hours just, you know, within three months I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You yeah. know, whether I did or not, I don't know, but it definitely gives you that confidence of like, yeah. Sing- singular shows cease to matter. You don't, by the time one show is done, you're doing another show. So you don't obsess over like what you did wrong or why that show didn't go well. It's like, as soon as it's done, it's done. Yeah. And then a next one starts. We, and we, we did two shows in a row on Saturdays. So that was a perfect example of that. Yeah. A terrible first show and then get on stage again and just kill it. Yeah. So, or vice versa. Yeah. Kill the eight o'clock show. And then the ten thirty show, you shit the bed and it's like, well, Time to get up and do it again tomorrow, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. You're, yeah, that's like your uh, your your Beatles and where was it? Where they played a lot before they got famous? The Cavern. Uh, is that it? I Cavern be, I was their you. club in Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's that's your Cavern. That's my Cavern. I dig yeah. it. Uh, that's really cool. Um, hey, man, don't start an analogy unless you can finish it. I know. I, got, so I, was, I, was trying, I, thought, it was, I thought it was Hamburg or something like that, but I don't know. I don't 
I thought it was in Hamburg. Oh, they could have. That, there know. could be a place in Hamburg that they played a lot. Maybe. It would be a long commute from Liverpool. I don't, well, no, I think I actually think they went somewhere oh, they went. and like played for a long time. That they could were be. doing. I think it was like a weird script club. Or I don't know. Fuck my analogies. No, 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 no. No, you're right. You, Susie. No, you take it. I'm gonna find my light. There you go. <laughs> Here. Um, all right. So, so you talk, talking about doing it every day. Also, you did the. Uh, this is jumping forward. Uh, the boot camp thing. Yes. Uh, and Still I, doing it. You're still doing that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, why can't I find any information about that anywhere? It's a secret. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's not a secret. <laughs> it's, um, I will uh, I will put you on the mailing list. If you, want. you can cool. just email improvbootcamp at gmail.com. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, what was your question about? <laughs> no, no, uh, so I mean, that like that whole thing was the, the kind of the spot of like doing it every day, right? Exactly. And, uh, so, uh, so like what... I don't know. Tell me what's that all about? <laughs> um, that grew out of um, the, uh, yeah, the, an interview similar to this. Somebody years ago, somebody was asking me, like, what was the thing that made the difference and got you out of your head as an improviser? Mm-hmm. And I told them, you know, doing it every day at Boom. And she said, oh man, I wish there was something like that in LA. There's just not. You should start one. I was like, cool, I will. <laughs> so uh, I went home that day, and I was living with Jim Woods at the time, and um, he and I had done Boom together, and he was improvising here as well. And uh, I sort of pitched the idea to him, like, we could do this, right, and just alternate days that we're teaching, and we'll just split the coaching. And, you know, um, we sort of sent a little feeler email out to our students at the time who would be interested in this. It was all people that we coached on practice groups, and right. it was like, do we want to mash into one giant super practice group and meet every day? And everybody was into it. So we went for it, and that was in May three years ago. So May will be our third anniversary. Wow, that's really cool. That's strong, yeah. And yeah, the idea is meet every day with the same group of people and just drill scenes and drill heralds and um, and just do it a ton. Yeah. Um, and people get really a lot better it's pretty awesome to watch um and people even people who are already good you see them get more polished or more confident taking more chances because you know when you when you're doing that many scenes it's just like who cares you make a big choice because it doesn't there's no microscope on the scene that you're in nobody's scrutinizing that scene it's like you can do whatever you want you know? yeah that's really cool um I, okay so i'm curious so then you get You've been doing this for like almost three years now. Uh, do you? I'm curious, what do you observe or notice any like trends as far as like uh, things that go wrong or things that are really strong or I don't know. Just, um, I'm just curious. Yeah, no real trends. Um, like a few years ago, I started noticing a trend just in improv in general, and it was especially when we would go to the festivals. Like I, I went to DCM that year. And it, it's this sort of plague that we call ironic detachment, you know, sure. people, um, and especially at DS, er, DSM, DCM, it really, uh, really got my goat because <laughs> you're, um, you're watching these shows that people are doing that kind of stuff and getting huge laughs from the audience. Mm-hmm. And you just want to shake the audience. What are you doing? You know? So someone being like, oh, yeah, I'm your doctor. Uh, so anyway, yep. Oh, here's a chair. Um, whoops. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. That kind of just yeah. like nah, not caring, not committing, not playing their world. So I came back from DCM whenever that was. I guess that was like the first year of boot camp, and and just like 
did like a Braveheart speech with my boot camp kids. <laughs> like, please, I see this plague growing. I see it trying to yeah. take root. Do not let it, you know. And and that's always been sort of one of the uh, sensibilities of boot camp is, um, and that's something that Jim and I both share as performers and directors is Real committing hard. Yeah. yeah, really playing your scenes object work, filling your world, you know, so yeah. that you're not just uh, commenting on it. Yeah, that's something I definitely notice from you and Jim. Like, that's something I always, like, just taking that extra second or whatever it is to, like, kind of go, like, like, even if, yeah, like that chairs thing I always write, like, resonates. Because, like, sometimes people do a scene, they're just standing in front of chairs and they're like, it's like, well, maybe just move them out of the way. Or, like, if you're going right. like, to, just take a half a second to, like, or go to a different part of the stage or things like that. And, right. uh yeah, that doesn't that doesn't always happen, and it's like, oh, that's so awkward. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying I agree with you, Susie. Um, Cause yeah, you're I mean, I guess I agree. It, here's a chair. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Oh, okay, uh, who, I'm a doctor. Yeah, what whatever. I don't know. So fine, you're a doctor. Great. Fine. Cool. Uh, Welcome to my spaceship. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the chairs aren't better. I have these two black wooden chairs in my spaceship. Anyway, zoom, we're on the moon. Okay, let's get out. No, we don't need a helmet. I'm magic. Anyway. <laughs> Just, uh, my, one of my favorite lines that I hear a lot is, uh, sorry, we only have X number of chairs. Right. Like, that one always comes up, and it's like, ah, I know. I know right. you only have that number of chairs. Right. We Just, know you're on an improv just stage. Just do it, though. Just like, do the same. Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so... Let's see. Okay. Uh, you got, you're on, um, Cinnamon Lady. Mm-hmm. Great team. Best team uh, ever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. You can declare yourself the best team ever. I, it's not me. It's them. Like, oh, I, they I, I, They are the best team. No, but, no, no. I mean, it's not, but I'm not saying like I'm the best. I'm saying those guys are the best team ever. Great. Uh, I'm glad we're not in a fight anymore. We're not. I don't want to fight. I just want to get past this and okay. just move on to my, my question. Sorry. So, <laughs> like, the shenanigans are real fun, but, like, yeah. they're not. Yeah, let's, let's get serious. Let's get serious here. Cheer down. You guys do the pretty flower. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your approach to doing the pretty flower. Flowers are like a, um, a baby, freshly born... You must be tender with them and gentle. Don't touch their soft spot. Don't touch their soft spot. Wait until it fuses. Um, what do you want to know about the pretty flower? Well, you guys, okay, so I, um, I, 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 well, I've been doing the pretty flower recently, and that is, I feel like there's, it's difficult. And so I wonder, uh, not difficult, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lock down my approach to it. And I wonder if you even have an approach or if you think about it in these terms. But to me, it's like, uh, uh, you go in and you're like, all right, let's just figure out what this base scene is and try to get everybody right on the same page right at the top. I feel like that's, and that, that's kind of the same thing as a mono scene, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you approach it in a similar, similar way? Yes, or? especially because, um, for the year before we started doing the pretty flower form, we were doing mono scenes for a year. Yeah. Um, and this was our way of, you know, the, we were just, we started getting a little bit tired with mono scenes, I think. And this was our solution. Uh, we didn't make it up, but it was like, let's do what Dazariski does, because then we can do mono scene, but we can branch off from it and explore other things and not feel trapped. Right. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're coming out of that as our sort of foundation. So I think, yeah, at least for my brain, that's that's 
exactly where we start, you know. Um, and then, uh, so, so then, and obviously, like the pretty flowers, like it's just monocene base, and then it it branches off into like weird things that come up, and you see a few scenes of that, maybe a little tag run, maybe it's short. Um, uh, do you have? I mean, do you have anything specific that you're doing, uh, or maybe different that you're doing in, a, in the, the pretty flowers as opposed to monocene that you're trying? To go off on these tangents? Yeah, uh, not tagging on just a weird thing that comes up, because then you're, then you're exploring a joke, and it doesn't have a lot of legs. You're sort of tagging on, like, oh, that'd be fun to just see lobster football. And it's like, all right, well, now we're in lobster football. And, like, run it, but it doesn't have a lot of substance. What we try to tag on is learning more about the characters that are in the... Mono scene in the in the headquarters. Char- character games as opposed to yes, like... character games or sort of like what you do in a Laurent where it's like let's see a different side of that character. Okay. This macho guy who's so like macho around the guys. Maybe we see him at home with his wife and he's like crying at Mad Men or something. You know, like <laughs> what? Let's explore different sides so that when you come back to the HQ scene, which is what we call that center scene. Um, you know more about that person. They know more about themselves. They have more that they can play, and you maybe have some secrets that you can get some more juice out of later on and, and pay off. Okay. Versus that's... just cool. We saw a game of lobster football. Now we're back in HQ. Now, now what do we talk about? You know? Yeah, that's um, that's God. That's a smart. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> you owe me 50 cents. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Uh, well, no, because it, it's funny because I, I, I've said, I've talked about Pretty Flower before and, and even, even like, been, like, aware of, like, oh, th- when you branch away, hopefully in some way it will inform that base scene. But, like, I've been doing it more recently, and it almost feels like all the work is really being done in the base scene. Like, all, mm-hmm. of, all the character stuff, all the, anything that's going to pay off later is really being done in the base scene. And then... Yeah, everything else is just much more jokey as right. how it goes. Um, yeah, God, I think it's right more fun it. if it's the opposite. If yeah. you can kind of relax in that base scene and explore and let things bubble up, and then if an interesting moment bubbles up with a character, you go on a run with that and explore why he's like that or you know where that's going to take that character in the future. You right. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then uh, do you? Uh, yeah, do you do you? Are you one of those people who is uh, kind of like actively thinking about maybe connections in the end or like things like that? Uh, um, I'm just curious. No, but I definitely notice when they come up or when there's an opportunity there. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm. I'm. My my brain is not doing you're, that. You're not like we need lobster football in, right. in like three minutes. You're like, right. <laughs> We're T minus lobster football. <laughs> Um, no, but you know, if somebody's like, you know, if we found ourselves in a football game and somebody's like, oh, my, I jammed my thumb. It's like, oh, here we go. We see an opportunity to make a claw. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, all right. So then, uh, I guess last thing about, okay. Do you have anything that you like hate about doing pretty flower right now? I'm just curious. No, the only thing that becomes, uh, tricky sometimes is um we've been all starting on stage and we used to enter and exit a lot more yeah. um which was something that we that carried over from our mono scenes 
um, and we haven't been lately. And once in a while, we'll hit a pretty flower where it just feels a little bit claustrophobic, where there, you know, it's seven bodies the whole time, yeah. and it starts to feel a little bit like, yeah, all right, you know. Um, but that's, you know, it's a minor, uh, it's a minor complaint, if you could even call it a complaint. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, because I feel, I feel like I, most of the time when I see that, uh, almost, like, yeah, it's, it's everybody's on stage always the whole time. It's not, it's not Monocini in that like, people can come in and go. It's very, like, everybody's here. We're not going anywhere. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that gets, that can be tough. Um, and there, uh, I guess, uh, last, do you have any advice for groups or people who are practicing it? Maybe like me, I don't know. <laughs> smell every flower, man. Okay. Just like smell them. That's how they talk to us. Um, <laughs> I want you to, I'd like it that if, like, if you just give me this weird advice that I don't understand, <laughs> like regularly, like find the light. I, I, I should have known that. I did theater for a little bit. I should have known that. I was just like, yeah. you're crazy right, right. now. But I'm going to pretend that smell every flower is a theater thing that I just have forgotten. Right. It's like like state blocking or something. It's Uta Hagen's third book, Smell Every Flower. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So then, let's see. You coach Bangarang right I now, do. right? Um, I'm curious as to if you have like an approach or something maybe that you're trying to do with Bangarang right now. Because they're like a two-and-a-half-year-old team or something like that. Uh, and by all accounts, like, probably one of the better Herald teams there is right now. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what are you doing with them? Um, a lot of uh, just what we think of as, like, next-level stuff. Um, uh, and we're sort of tackling things one at a time. Our first project was, like, let's... Uh, let's make your opening a little more fluid and a little more, uh, you know, their opening is super cool and I did not develop it with them. They, they did that well before my time with them, but it's sort of like, um, the ingredients are any form of any opening and that's sort of the grab bag and they can just pick and choose what, which elements they want to do. Um, but when I started with them, they were kind of doing the same ones every time in the same order. Really? <laughs> so I was yeah. like, okay, well, this isn't really organic. So we just, we spent the first few weeks, um, just really working hard on t- broadening their opening vocabulary, working on every type of opening there is individually and, uh, and coming up with some new ones. Then our next thing was group games. Like, all right, let's, um, you know, my own personal sort of pet peeve is group scene group games. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the first things I do with any group that I coach that's doing the Herald is like, let's fix your group games. Yeah. Um, fix meaning let's open our mind and get creative about them. And, and, um, and I, I made it a rule with Bangarang. They are not allowed to do scenic group games. Um, so they're just to, you know, challenge them to do these other styles. So yeah. we worked on those for a while. Right now we're working on connections and, you know, sort of how to stick the landing of the Herald. Um, so, you know, I don't want to give away all our secrets. Okay. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I, that, was, that <laughs> well, was a joke, but it's also well, half serious. I'm like, well, if I show you how the trick is done, then. <laughs> Lose all magic. Right. I, I, okay. So then let's talk about group games because that's not a secret. Yeah, no. That's okay. Not. Group so, games are, yeah. The, <laughs> those were declassified two months ago by the CIA. So. 
Thank God. Mm-hmm. Like this Bush era classification oh of group games. Yeah. Um, so, so you're not a fan of scenic stuff, and is that just because there are so many scenes in a Herald? Yeah, exactly. And the, and the group game, you have this rare... Like, what what is a group game? Like, how would you define what a group game is? Oh, God. Uh, it's it, To me, it's just a, a thing, like, where everybody can get in and hopefully just mess around. Like, it's... Yeah. I try... I, you try to do it as a mess around, but it never is. To Like, when I do it... Like, yeah, it's always a scene. Yeah. It's... it's I, mess around is a great word for it. It should be like everybody contributes and everybody is at the same time trying to figure. It's I think I see them as organic. It's this moment where you're finding a game together. You're you're finding a a, a piece together. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of our herald, whether we like to admit this or not. Um, it isn't completely improvised. We're starting scenes with an initiation and the way that UCB trains us. Um, and I love this training, but it, it is premise based. So you're initiating off of the opening with a strong idea of what you think the game is or, or something funny that you've took from the opening mm-hmm. and you're initiating with that. Um, hey, doctor, can I talk to you for a second? Um, yeah, I love what you did with my wife and everything, but I just have one question, dot, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, I'm so curious what that question right? was. I was You'll never know. Ah! Come to Bangarang on Monday. <laughs> okay. They're going to um, do that scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you, you're serving up what you, what you, you know, what your brain tells you is funny from the opening. Right. If you're doing that, your whole herald, and so every scene is starting with one person having a bit of an idea of, you know, what they think the scene is about or what, then those scenes aren't completely improvised because one person has written... A little bit of a premise for it. Sure. The, um, whether the, both people get on board with that and stick to the outline or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's simplifying it, and that's ma- but but we can both agree that that's a little bit like a little bit of a planned thing. Sure. Group games, I think, are a good opportunity to not do that and to really just get out and improvise together and make mm-hmm. something. Um, so I prefer, you know, if you're starting a scenic group game, you're starting usually with a premise. Everybody get in here, you know. Yeah. We have some complaints about our Hallmark greeting cards. They said the characters on them are too vulgar. You know, that's an idea that you're presenting it to, like, the writer's room. Right. A, a, an organic group game I much prefer because it's one person just jumping out and doing something, you know. Mm-hmm. I put butter on my toast. And somebody else stuff you know it doesn't mean anything by itself, yeah, the second person can nudge that into a direction, you know, I put butter on my sunburns, yeah, oh cool, now it's all about butter, yeah, but if the second person came out and said, "I put jam on my toast, oh, all right, now it's about toast, third person can come on like I put vegemite on my toast, fourth person, <laughs> you know, uh. I don't know why all my characters talked like monsters. No, it's okay. <laughs> How I monsters see it. Incorporated too. You're excited for it. I get it. Is there going to be one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Your excitement. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I think it's supposed to be a like a prequel. I think they get, it's like Monsters oh. University or something like monsters that. Monsters prank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, they didn't go with that name. No, that got, got ditched, Should but have. it was good. 
they didn't answer my letters. I don't know why they're too cool to turn down my idea and yeah. not tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just incorporated myself, like, for tax reasons. And as you said, like, Monsters Incorporated, I realized, like, oh, I really blew my chance to... <laughs> I should have named my company Monsters, Inc. <laughs> you could have. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't have known. Wait, you incorporated yourself? Yeah, like, a, a lot of actors and writers do that. Interesting. It's Yeah. You get you save money on taxes. You get to write off a lot more things. Yeah. yeah. Ah, business stuff. Being right? an adult. Ew. That's gross. Uh, one day. Um, okay. Uh, then, okay, so then back to root games real quick. Uh, is there, I mean, so then I guess it sounds like you don't have, like, a favorite type of group game then because you just want them to happen. Right, exactly. My okay. favorite type is... Any type that isn't scenic. Sure. And also, I don't, I don't think teams should limit themselves by thinking of, of group games as a list of types. You know, sure. what what I tell people when we're working on group games is there are an infinite number of quote types. Not all of them have been even discovered yet. So challenge yourselves to create a group game that's a type that you've never even seen before. Yeah. Um, I use this as an example a lot because I just I thought it was so delightful when it happened. A couple years ago, Dave Tooney was in boot camp, and we were working on group games, and we did a herald. And uh, when it got time, it came time for the first group game. He came like bolting off the stage and ran to the back of the room and turned all the lights off. And then initiated a group game as basketball announcers. <laughs> what was so great about it was because it's in the dark, you're imagining the game that's being announced without having to have the actors play it out. Mm-hmm. So we have the two announcers announcing the game, play by playing it, and all the actors were like squeaking their feet on the floor. <laughs> it was lovely. This radio group game. You that's know. really cool. So the, that's what I mean. And and imagine if every Herald you saw had two things in it like that. How yeah. cool is that? Instead of just, all right, astronauts, get in here. <laughs> okay, now Coca-Cola employees get in here. Yeah. So. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I guess I'll stop doing my Coca-Cola employee scenes. Yeah. There that's you kind of, go. Kind of my favorite, but I'm sorry. Um, God damn it. Yeah, I just changed your whole world, you know. I did. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all broken up on the inside right now. I came in here, you were talking about those Coca-Cola scenes. I was. I was like, hey, Susie, I got this great Coca-Cola scene that I do. <laughs> just you get in here. Let me tell you about this Coca-Cola employee scene. It's classic. Everybody literally seems to like it at uh, Crash Bar. Um, okay, so uh, but then, let's see. You're, you teach at UCB right now, yes. too. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't have any good questions about that. I just wrote that down. It was a note. Oh, it was a note. It's yeah, a I was a point. I was gonna, I was gonna like say, I was gonna come up with a question in the moment. Do I it. Do, I do that sometimes. I'm like, do you? All right. Do you, what you teach? Are you, are you teaching like three hundred one? I teach one hundred one and four hundred one. One hundred one and four hundred one. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a question in that. What? So one hundred one. What do you like teaching newcomers? <laughs> what do you like about newcomers in improv? I like Ooh. that. Um, I got to a <laughs> question. Got it. You I was found excited because I wasn't. What was that? Eighteen minutes. Yeah, I was yeah. full eighteen. Um, uh, but I deleted all out. Nobody will ever know. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> I just fell. Um, 
I like that. Uh, I like that. One of the goals of 101 is simply to help people fall in love with improv. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm in love with improv. I love. I also love that the very first day people are up and like doing things, and uh, and we basically get to scenes at, by the end of the first day. Um, you know, rudimentary, basic beginnings of scenes, but. I love that you you watch this um, ragtag group, a lot of whom are just terrified and who are doing a very brave thing, you know? Yeah. It's a lot to ask of yourself if you're not an improviser, especially if you're not even an actor or anything, to stand up on a stage in front of a group of strangers and speak without knowing what you're going to say. And I love watching people do that and then I love watching them have success at it and surprising themselves and getting tickled that they surprise themselves it's like this contagious snowball effect and by the end of the first class everyone's like high you know yeah and then second class they like can't wait to get started I I love watching that yeah great yeah there's a great energy in the the one-on-one classes like yeah I remember I remember my one-on-one class we did a we did a, a cheer after every class, which is like insane. It's awesome, but it's awesome because you know, we're just like this is great. We just we're cheering. What were you? What do you? What, what was an example of one of your cheers? I, what they weren't good cheers. We just would we get everybody would put their hands in the center and we'd yell Tuesdays at seven. It's <laughs> a great cheer. It's it's good. It's great. I loved it. Um, uh, I, I look back fondly on those memories. Who was your teacher? Cordero. Cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He, he teaches boot camp with me now. Oh, does he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's getting better and better. It's better and better. Uh, he and I went to elementary school together. Are you serious? Yeah, can you get a load of that? Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Wait, did... Just elementary school? Yeah. Did... We uh, we went to school third, fourth, and fifth grade. And then uh, I... That was at Catholic elementary school. And then I, after fifth grade, I started going to public school. You so I like... Atheist. I became atheist. Yep. I started a war with God. So anyway, different school for that. You know, it's like a whole different uniform. There is a uniform atheist. Yeah, it's human skin. It's the skin of believers. <laughs> um, itchy, but it's important that we all, you know, have the respect to wear a uniform. Praise nobody. I Praise mean, nobody. Um no, I went to public school and we never saw each other again. And then like two years ago or whenever it was that he moved here, yeah. I like ran into him on the scene out here and was like, oh my God. Did you recognize you? him? I didn't. He, uh, he came and hosted uh, a show. He hosted a Herald Night, I guess. So maybe this was three years ago. Sure. Sentimental Lady was still on Herald Nights. He came and hosted it. I saw him like in passing when he was hosting the show and then I was on Facebook the next day, and Colton Dunn had tagged me in a photo from Birds that night. So I was going through that album, yeah. And there were other photos of Eugene, and he had tagged him. And when I saw the name, I was like, "Oh my god, this has to!" You know, how many Filipino kids are there named <laughs> Eugene Cordero? I don't know, maybe a million. Oh, yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't know that statistic. <laughs> but I I emailed him on Facebook and said, "Are you Eugene from Holy Family in Rochester?" He was like, "Holy shit!" That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Crazy small world. Um, uh, okay. And then, okay. So then, oh, for, uh, for, 401. Uh, so then, I mean, I feel like that's like a, the going through the classes is like a weird journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like if, okay. If part of 101 is like teaching people to like love it. Uh, 
then I feel like part of 401, it has to be like, hey, remember when you liked this? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that, I mean, is that part of it too for you? Or do you ever, do you ever notice that, that people are so beating themselves up? Yeah, part of it or... is like, okay, trust that you have it now. Stop thinking so hard. Uh, and, and you're better than you think you are at this, you mm-hmm. know? That's a lot of the vibe of 401. Like, hey, you're doing great, you know? Um, and a lot of 401 is just practice. You know, you're you're just practicing heralds. You're not really taking in a lot of new exercises in 401, right? Yeah. Um, so you've sort of come out of the other side of all of that, like, cerebral game-finding stuff. Um, 401, to me, is more about the craft. It's more about... Um, you know, okay, here's your ideas and here's, this is your sensibility and how you, the scene that you want to do, how do you achieve that now? What, how do we craft this? You know, okay. like you are not getting your initiation out very clearly. You right. have a great idea for an initiation, but you're not like communicating it. Yeah. You are like really great at characters, but you're not uh, playing the game that's there in the scene, you know, the, that's mm-hmm. sort of like technical stuff. Yeah. That's how, you know, in my experience, that's been what a lot of 401 is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, fine. Fine, Susie. I'm trying, no, I'm just trying, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what I was going through in 401 and if it was like, because I don't think it was like, I don't know if it was like that for me. Maybe it's because I was so weirdly in my head. Like, I just want to make Billy not have that sad face um. when he watched. He was. I watched. Uh, we did a Harold, and I watched it. Like he did this whole scene, and then he, he just he just sat there like this and just staring at us. And we're like, oh god, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying. Uh, yeah, I just I, that that was my whole goal in that class was to just not see that face. Right, scary Billy face. You know that face is just gas, right? That's he's just, just he just gas. his part. He yep. just he did eat. He always is talking about food right before. Ah, oh, that clears up so many things. It's gas. Yeah. Now, now I can find my light and succeed for <laughs> forever. I found my light. Yay. Um. All right. So let's see. Uh, the other thing I was going to talk about a little bit is uh, rough cut. Is your your right? You're in rough cut, right? Rough cut. Yeah. yeah. Um. That so that's uh, the improvised movie mm-hmm. with like a billion people on that team. There's a billion. This a lot. <laughs> they say like by they project that by 2015 it'll be up to eight and a half billion. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. We're trying to figure out what to do about food sources. <laughs> Growing exponentially. Yeah. Exactly. That's just gonna be. It's hard to get on stage. Do we it's cap our birth rate? <laughs> no, I say no. No, go go, go just go all the way. Um, so let's see. So that what like to me that's like. The, the big, like, tent poles of that is just, like, sticking in genre, right? I yes. mean, is that, like, that's kind of a focus, I guess, of yeah. doing a rough cut? That is the focus. Um, whether or not it succeeds is, you know, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But sure. um, that that's the goal, is always to uh, have every laugh come because people are recognizing the truth of the genre. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that that's one of the yeah that that one's one that you can get a lot of laughs out of things that aren't necessarily funny but just accurate, right? Like really accurate, right? Uh, this was this wasn't a rough cut show, but I think this was actually some in the lady, yeah. Where Fernie was like it was like they were doing like a cop thing, and then Fernie came out as the guy who was moving stuff, 
Oh, yeah, 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 drama. yeah. And like I got a huge laugh, and it's like, well, yeah, of course, because that's perfect in the fit in it. And right, that was the same. Doing like a Law and Order parody. Yeah, you're doing like, a lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the guy. Yeah, I saw yeah. the guy. He started moving the box, and it's right. like, well, that's perfect. That's exactly Law and Order. Uh, yeah, and I, that's a that's a lot of like uh, Rough Cut too, and it's awesome. I love Rough Cut. Um, I don't see him enough. What am I talking about? I am talking about <laughs> butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, I am. I was. Uh, okay. Uh, so then, if. Uh, if like playing the genre is like obviously a big part of it, then what is uh how how do you like keep that all straight in your head? Is there is there something that you're like trying to do since you guys are sort of discovering it on stage together? Right. Like how how do you keep we, it? Yeah, the part of the um you know the form is is such that you're doing um you're sort of previewing the first three scenes before you do them. Right. So you're like scene painting those scenes. Um, so the, the goal is to nail down definitively what the genre is by the end of that third scene painting so that by the time you go back to the first scene and revisit it with dialogue, everybody's on board. It's hard because, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, I thought it was like a war movie and someone's like, oh, I thought it was a sci-fi. <laughs> Other times it's like, we don't get specific enough or we, we, you know, it's like, yeah, I knew it was... A drama, but I couldn't tell what time period or what. So it, we we really try to uh, police ourselves as a group. And if it's going into that third scene, the scene painting, mm-hmm. and we haven't totally nailed what it is yet, mm-hmm. then whoever's scene painting in that third scene is trying to like put in some huge clues that yeah. tip it off, you know. So then, yeah. So then, hopefully, by the time that's all done, you're just like, oh, we know what we're doing. Let's go play. Exactly. Great. Um, okay. Then I have, uh, I have like the, like this last question that I've, I've brought up a couple times before. Uh, and I, like, I don't No, I, don't... I will not date you. Damn it, Susie. Why? <laughs> I'm a perfectly nice person. I don't have good podcast presence and I can't find my light, but Ugh. I'm exasperated. So I feel like that counts for something. Ah, sympathy date. Nice. <laughs> um, it's actually uh, probably like an equally like uh, frustrating thing, but uh, like I want to maybe talk real quick about uh, like being uh, a lady improviser. Mm. Uh, uh, I feel like I, I, I have trouble setting up a question for this one because I'm not a lady improviser. Right. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Uh, I'm not. I tried. It's disappointing. It, yeah. <laughs> maybe I would too. date you. Oh, <laughs> so close. Um, so I want. I, I guess like. Uh, Challenges, upsides, things. Yeah, I don't like thinking of it as a thing. I don't think it is a thing. I think some people make it a thing, and those people are people that I don't like hanging out with. Okay. Generally. Like, it's usually a good litmus test. Like, if somebody's like, what, you know, how do I, as a lady improviser, like, make it in the, I'm like, no, I don't, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Stop thinking of it like that sure you know it, it's sort of uh, it's starting out with like this like it's like putting a little disadvantage it's on yourself, giving yourself almost. a handicap where the, where none exists yeah it's telling the world i think that you should see a difference between men who improvise and women who improvise and there doesn't there doesn't have to be a difference mm-hmm. you know uh the part of i mean part of what's so remarkable about this art form is that 
you at all times are casting yourself against type, you know, you're, mm. everybody's playing old people and kids and, you know, you can play whatever you want. Men play women, women play men. So just by virtue of what you're doing, there exists no boundaries in terms of casting and inter- w- like you would experience them in the acting world. Yeah. Even in plays, there's a good chance you're going to play what sex you are, you mm. know, um, a great exception to the rule that I'm stating right now is Alex Berg is right now shooting a movie where his character description in the script is Mrs. Noosebaum slash naked old lady. Are you shitting me? No. <laughs> Holy crap. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if that's confidential, but <laughs> if it is, I'll call you and you can play that part backwards. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the tape splicers will be rewarded for their ingenuity. Um, <laughs> But do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, why do we have to have it be a thing? Sure. You uh, know, I mean, like, what if I asked you, like, what are the challenges of being a male improviser? Mm-hmm. What are they? Um, I uh, I have actually had this conversation before. I would love to hear. <laughs> uh, I, I I well, this is lame, but I do actually think that there is a. Uh, a very small and slight and not even worth mentioning, but I think it exists disadvantage for being a white male improviser because there are a ton of us. Right. And I feel like, uh, I don't think that necessarily bad improvisers who are women or, uh, not white get, uh, an advantage or whatever. But I also think that to me, they stick out they, more. You yeah, notice. Yeah. Notice. Well, yeah. not, not, not even that, but like, or on the other side of it, it's like uh, a white male improviser that really sticks out to me has to be so insanely different or insanely good for me to like go like oh yeah this is a guy because like I've been told that I've been told that there are three different people who look and act just like me and I'm like fuck that sucks because I it's can like, name two and a half of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it the cast of two and a half men yeah <laughs> nailed on. it damn it um, but but then again like I don't think that matters because it's like okay well that just means I have to be good but I think that's yeah. going to be the same thing for everybody so you're just like well you should be good like, totally yeah because that's isn't that the thing you know it, a good improviser is a good improviser right if a woman steps on stage and she's one woman in a team of eight people you go you notice you go like oh there's one girl up there yeah but you don't take her home with you in your brain, you know, uh, you, you don't, <laughs> that was a weird way to say <laughs> yeah, it. it you, she doesn't, you don't remember her unless she is phenomenal. Right. Just like any improviser. Yeah, There's totally. a billion improvisers. You don't remember anyone that's not super smart and super funny. True. So it kind of doesn't matter who you notice at the top of the show, you know? All right. Right. We, do we, do we sell that? Are we happy? I don't know. I kind of still want to fight. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. And I, I don't... I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be like... I, don't ask me that question. No, no, no. Know, I, I think that's... Because I, I know... It, but... No, I don't think... And I don't think you were. Uh, I think that's uh, a valid response that people feel that way. And some people feel uh, basically the opposite. Right. Uh, I and, think people uh, who feel the opposite are people that find ways to be a victim in any situation you know throwing that fucking gauntlet down <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> it's okay maybe this is me like I don't know this is my own whatever it is me I, I'm talking so it's me <laughs> no no it's yeah you, you know yeah you give yourself the excuse or the the out and yeah but I think you can do I, I took a workshop a while ago that was like uh like you we 
they're like write down the stuff that you don't think you're good at, you're not comfortable doing, or whatever. And it was just like it was sort of like, and then their whole thing was like, why? Like why limit yourself? Why put that on yourself right away to go like you're not good at that? You like you try to try to break free from like setting yourself up with this limitation and that's just a it's a completely different type of limitation but i think it's the same thing of right like, of like you don't need to put that on yourself you it's know? also like implying that the world has something against you or there's some hang up you know the challenges that i face as a woman mm-hmm. it's like that sentence as yeah. a woman blank the challenges that i face is so yeah. boring and gross to me <laughs> yeah it's like stop just don't Th- those 1900s women improvisers, though, they disagree with you completely. Right, right. But they, yeah, they, were, they, had a, they had a tough time. Oh, I hope they get improv <laughs> suffrage soon. <laughs> soon. Uh, all right, last last thing. Uh, last segment. We'll get you out. Perfect. Great. Uh, was, uh, fuck, God, Stephen. The answer is 42. <laughs> no, no, you're lying to me. Uh, this is the Pearls of Wisdom segment. I have to say it every time because it's a pod on my last name. Uh, it's the Pearls of Wisdom segment. And the question is, is there ever a note or... Maybe some advice or something that you got, you received, uh, that really had like an effect on your improv. It was like, you were like, oh, holy shit, this person's a genius. It really makes sense. And I'm going to be the best improviser forever now. Like, for example, when you told me to find my light, I'm going to be like, yeah, I should do that more. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that oh, on stage. damn. Uh, yeah. I get, I get really uh, uh, racially curious when I, when I get, get notes. <laughs> oh, damn. Susie's so right. Fuck. Racially curious. Yeah, because I also realized I think I was trying to do like a weird stereotypical Asian voice at the same mm-hmm. time. Didn't come out. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, just anything, just quote, racial means just elongated vowels yeah. and whatever <laughs> accent you want. Just all... <laughs> All races have great. Okay. It's racial. All right. Um, racially curious. I love that. I've been trying to experiment with my race more. You know, just stay open-minded. You know, Don't maybe white all the time. Right. I want to get on the Herald team? I might wake up Russian tomorrow. I might do that. And having fantasies of it. Um, I am uh, racking my brain trying to think of a uh, a nugget of advice. Um, Maybe even something that you, you know, Becky. Uh, Becky Drysdale just moved here. She's uh, my best friend of many, many, many years. We um, we she, came up in Chicago together. Is that is that the 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 girl who did the the craft bar show with you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, were you there? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's phenomenal. I've seen her a couple weeks in a row. Now. Um, stop it. She's gonna be sitting in with sentimental lady this month. Oh, really? Yeah, we're oh. shorthanded, and she will be cool. playing our shows. She's like probably the wisest person I know, and um, and she has a phrase that just a- applies well to all of just the business and acting and improv in general, which is eyes on your own paper. Meaning, like, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop worrying about you know your success as it compares to what other people are doing. Eyes on your own paper. Do what you got to do to be happy and fulfilled and creative and don't worry about it. Like it's all going to happen, you know? Oh my God. That's the best thing I've it's ever great. heard. It's great. It on makes me happy. It's so great in LA because so many people in, and, and I feel lucky that we're a part of a community, the improv community that, that doesn't really do this as much. But when you go to commercial auditions and stuff and all the like actory actors are sitting around and they're like, well, I've been doing this. You know, I've been trying to, like, get into this scene study <laughs> workshop with Jeffrey Tambor. It's really hard to get into, you know, and everybody's, like, comparing resumes, and it's, like... Uh, and then you see other people feeling bad. It's, like, this tactic is working of, like, psyching people out, and it... Eyes on your own paper. Just, yeah. you know... 
I like it. It's great. I really love that. Yeah, she's a genius. She I'm is. telling you. I, I know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I can go to the show tomorrow just to be like, oh, you're the best. I won't do Don't that. say it like that. Okay. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> just in a normal voice then? Or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, is this normal? Ouch. Uh-huh. It's the most hurtful thing anybody said right here. Sorry, man. I gave you the wisdom. And now <laughs> done. I do what I want now. Spike the mic. Uh, that's it. You anything else that you want to say before we get you out of here? We got, we got three uh, minutes. Take advantage of the community that we live in right now. The L.A. improv scene at this moment is, I believe, the golden age of improv. And I think we'll look back on it in 50 years and scholars will go like, holy shit. Um Take advantage of it. Do the indie shows. Don't worry about getting on a Herald team or not getting on a Herald team. That's not what the community is. That's part of it. Yeah. But the the great, glorious gift is that we're in a place right now where you can send an email and get showtimes at a dozen different places every night of the week. Do as many shows as you can. See as many shows as you can. Take advantage of it. Fucking great. Yeah. Susie Barrett, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ah! I'm doing the voice now. <laughs> wow. Susie just gave the most fucking legit ending to a podcast ever. And I'm going to ruin it by plugging stuff. Uh, you can see her shows, Sentimental Lady, every Saturday at UCB LA and Rough Cut. You can find more information about them on their Facebook page or the UCB website. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. Every Friday, I'm performing at the Improv Space with Distant Relatives at 1030. Um, I'm doing a, a mashup team at the new indie show, Where Eagles Dare on April 19th at 8 p.m. at the Little Modern Theater. And my new Herald team, Sticks Martin, who is fucking awesome, is doing uh, Room 101 April 25th. Also, if you ever see me out and about, you know, just say hi. I don't know why I said that. You don't have to say hi. To, I, Whatever. That's ridiculous. That's it. Until next time, happy improvising. Um, after all, it is the golden age of improv, guys. I think that's going to be my new tag. It's the golden age of improv. Thanks, Susie. You're the best. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff. I'm Ben. I know. I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm <sighs> Ben. Just, just do, do it. The, just do okay, the I'm, thing. So, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben Jeff and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our I'm podcast. Thayer. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. 